listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. This episode covers the book of Acts, how Christians live. You can enjoy more messages like this with the free Courage Matters app available in your app store. If you'd like to request Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event, click the invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on couragematters.com. All right, are we ready to receive from God's Word today? Ready to dive in here and have God take us to a deeper, higher place? Are you? I hope you are. Let's open up to our Father's Word, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4. Today I'd like to talk about three things. The power and infilling with the Holy Spirit. Number two, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. And number three, what does it look like to love God? What does it look like to love God? I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, and what it looks like to love God. Courtesy of our Lord's Word, Acts chapter 4, as we continue verse by verse through the entire book of Acts, this is no exception, beginning in verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, this is Peter and John, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. This is the 
follow up to this beautiful thing that's happened on the way to the beautiful gate where this man who was crippled from the time he was in his mother's womb, from the time before he was born, is miraculously, instantaneously, supernaturally healed in the name of Jesus through Peter's courageous act of humility by reaching out to him. And so people have come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior as a result of Peter's faithfulness in giving testimony to who Jesus is. And now they're brought before the leaders of the Jewish people, some of them the same ones who are responsible for convicting Jesus and sending him innocent as he was. Uh, If you're a judge, you're concerned about an innocent man being condemned. And so these are some of the same leaders who are responsible for Jesus, innocent as he was, being condemned to be crucified. And here we see that Peter doesn't back off at all. He doesn't let up. He puts pedal to the metal and he gives us a great example of what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it look like to be a man or a woman who is filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it look like when you are really filled with the Holy Spirit? What happens is the same type of thing that we see happened in Peter's life and in John's life. It could happen to you too. In fact, it should happen to you. It must happen to you. It must happen to me if our following of Jesus is really worth its salt. If we're really following Jesus, we too should live lives that resemble in some way what we see happening in the lives of Peter and John. Now look what's happening here. 5,000 have come to know Jesus by this time now as their Savior and their God. We see that in verse 4. So we see the church growing. We see the church expanding. More and more people are becoming convinced about the identity of Jesus, and they're giving their lives to Jesus. They're putting their faith in Jesus as their God, their Savior. This is happening primarily, exclusively at this point, among the Jewish people. The gospel is first to the Jew. And God demonstrates this by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit right there in Solomon's colonnade, the area where the people, the Jewish people were worshiping, the temple area. God doesn't put his lamp under a bushel. He wants it out there for everybody to see. And first and foremost, it's the Jewish people. Now in the Old Testament, the Jewish people are called the stone that the builders rejected and they have become the capstone. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people are seen as being the ones that none of the, no, no, no nations want anything to do with the Jewish people. And yet it is through the Jews that God's plan of salvation, which culminates in the identity, the person and the works of Jesus is advanced. But the ultimate fulfillment of that scripture found in the Psalms, the ultimate fulfillment is not in the nation of Israel, but in the person of Jesus. He is the stone that the builders had rejected, but has become the most important of all of the stones. That cornerstone, some people say it's a capstone, very similar effect, whether it's a capstone or a cornerstone. The idea is that it is a larger stone and it holds one wall into another. Without that cornerstone or without that capstone, the whole building falls apart. And so Jesus is the one that the rulers of the nation of Israel had rejected, but has become, and really was since the beginning of time, since before the beginning of time, the most important of all. The leaders of the nation of Israel just didn't realize that. So let's look at Peter's behavior here, and I think it's fitting that this phrase is inserted before Peter goes further in his message. Keep in mind that he was in the middle of giving his second message. Now he's batting two for two. The first message that Peter gave, 
3,000 people came to know Jesus as their savior and their God. And this helps us understand the incredible humility of Jesus, the incredible humility of God. Three or so years of Jesus' ministry, and he only had about 500 or so converts. Peter, the one who denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times, gives one message, and 3,000 people give their life to Jesus as their savior and their God. And now he's in the middle of giving his other message and the leaders of the nation of Israel who didn't believe in the resurrection, notice that they don't refute the reality of the resurrection. They just didn't like the fact that they were preaching the reality of the resurrection. We don't see anything here in the book of Acts that they say, well, the resurrection didn't happen. That's not under debate. We don't see anything here in the book of Acts about them debating the authenticity of the healing of this crippled beggar. In fact, look what it says here in verse 16. We cannot deny it. Nobody's denying the authenticity of the miraculous healing, the instantaneous healing of this man. The only thing they want to know is by what power and in whose name did you do this? And what does Peter do? He says, it's not me at all. It's the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the one that you crucified. He is the one that is responsible for this miraculous healing. And they don't debate their involvement in the crucifixion. They don't debate the reality of the resurrection. They just are astonished that these unschooled, commonary, ordinary people who didn't plan on being a missionary, a regular, unschooled, ordinary person, God uses regular, unschooled, ordinary people to do extraordinary, uncommon things. They were blown away. These guys did not go through the traditional school of rabbinical training to end up being the new rabbis on the scene. That's what an apostle was. An apostle was the new rabbi who's come onto the scene. And what made them qualified? That they had been with Jesus. Now look at this phrase that's used here in verse eight that is the game changer. It's the game changer in Peter's life, in John's life, and guess what? It's the game changer in your life and mine as well. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, there's the phrase, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Now, if it didn't happen, Peter would have been on shaky ground here even to bring up the resurrection. By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Now, for the leaders of the nation of Israel to hear Peter using that particular reference of the Old Testament in an application to Jesus would have been like, oh, Peter, you're killing us here. You're killing us. Don't you know who we are? We're the ones responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. You know that because you just admitted it again. We could do to you what we did to Jesus. And the amazing thing here is that when Peter, because he is filled with the Holy Spirit, he doesn't give in to fear pressure. He's not concerned about the opinions of people. He is only concerned and consumed with the opinion of his God and his Savior, Jesus. Peter becomes a man filled with courage. You know, there's a direct correlation between your courage for Christ and your being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Courage for Christ comes as a byproduct of the infilling with the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will do the kinds of things that Peter did, that John did. You will stand up and speak out what others are telling you to sit down and shut up. We don't want to hear from you. In fact, we're the ones with the authority. By what name and by what means do you have this power? In other words, we are the rulers of the nation of Israel. If there's going to be a supernatural healing, if there's going to be anybody doing any kind of ministry, it has to come through the authoritative channel. And we are the leaders of the nation of Israel. Where did you get this power? They're doing what they needed to do in exercising the exploration here. They needed to make sure that this was not some kind of a counterfeit demonic kind of a healing. They're investigating the healing as the leaders of the nation of Israel needed to do. They're not calling into question the fact that a healing has occurred. But the interesting thing here is that the defendants end up becoming the prosecutors. Don't make the mistake of thinking that Peter and John are on trial. It's not Peter and John that are on trial at all. It's the leaders of the nation of Israel who are on trial. This is an example of God turning the tables in the same way that he has the ability to do that in your life, at the workplace, in the family, in the neighborhood. You might think that you're under persecution. It's not about you at all. It wasn't about Peter and John at all. It was about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And God has a beautiful way of taking whatever circumstance you might be in when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and turning it around to give you an opportunity to point people to Jesus. That's what it's all about. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will say things you otherwise could not say. You will do things you otherwise would not do. You will become the person you otherwise would not have been, courtesy not of yourself. In the flesh, we're cowards. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we have tremendous courage. This is, don't forget it, this is Peter. This is Peter. This is the guy who ahead of time says, I'm willing to go to death for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, really? Are you willing to go to death for me? I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me not once, not twice, but three times. I am thankful that Peter, of all people whom the Holy Spirit in the wisdom and the counsel of God could have used to give this message that God used Peter. If God could use Peter, he can use you. It is not by your own power, not by my power, not by your wisdom, not by mine, not by your education, not by mine. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Spending time with Jesus is what gives the Holy Spirit a deep reservoir from which to draw so that when the right time arrives, you have the right word because you've been with Jesus. Don't think that the Holy Spirit works in a vacuum because he doesn't. These men had been with Jesus. They were unschooled, ordinary men by the rabbinical standards of the day, but they were absolutely qualified simply because they had spent time with Jesus. And now that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they become this unstoppable force to be reckoned with. They become these testifiers to the person and the works of Jesus. Now, it's amazing what we see Peter doing here. 
because here he is facing some of the very individuals who were responsible, humanly speaking. Remember, Jesus was not murdered. He voluntarily gave his life. But humanly speaking, these are some of the very individuals who are responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus, the leaders of the nation of Israel rejecting Jesus. If anything, Peter left to himself, and he had every opportunity and every propensity to give in to fear pressure. Being concerned about the opinions of people as opposed to the opinion of God. If God has called you to himself as a follower of Jesus Christ, he has called you not to a popularity contest, but to be a person who lives and walks by courage in giving testimony to Jesus. God did not call you to be popular. He called you to be courageous. And today we have confused the two. I just heard yesterday of a famous minister in the United States of America, if I were to say his name, you would most likely know who it is because this person is very well known and has a very extensive ministry. And this person was pressed on a particular issue of the day about his opinion about this particular issue. And you want to know what the issue was and what it is? I'm not going to tell you because it doesn't matter because it could be any issue of the day. This particular minister, very popular, very well-known, very famous, has a very extensive, very expansive ministry. He was asked about this particular issue. What's your view on this? And his answer was this. God has not called me to speak about that issue. Really? So do I get to follow Jesus and just choose which one of the passages of scripture that speak to all the issues of the day. All scripture speaks to all the issues we face and will ever face. Or was that a politically correct answer, couched as a spiritual sounding answer? Was that a way to just backpedal and to preserve popularity? You see, what's happening is people say, well, if I were to speak on this issue, I would be Pigeonholed, I would be labeled as or whatever it might be, and I would lose my ability to speak on this issue and that issue. The only problem is if you stop speaking about the issue and if I stop speaking about the issues and if nobody is willing to speak about the issues of the day, eventually this Bible and this Jesus becomes completely irrelevant for 21st century life. Because there are all kinds of issues that we're facing today that must be addressed in the power of the Holy Spirit. You will not address them if you're trying to address them in the power of the flesh. I will not address them if I try to address them in the power of the flesh. But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will speak to those issues with the courage that comes from Almighty God. And that's what needs to happen in your life and my life, your family, my family. If the church will not speak to the issues of the day, who will speak to the issues of the day? Listen, in the Old Testament, it was the prophet that God raised up to address the nation and to address the people with the issues of the day, with God's opinion on the matter. Today, it is the church that is supposed to have, that has been given by Almighty God, the prophetic voice of God. The problem is that we are looking for our own popularity rather than the popularity and the renown of Jesus. 
And those two kingdoms are in conflict with each other. God did not call you to be popular. He called you to be courageous for Jesus. Peter understands. John understood. These men understood that these are some of the same ones who had Jesus crucified. They had the ability to do the same thing, to make an example of Peter and John the way they did with Jesus. It is not safe territory to do what Peter and John were doing. But Peter and John weren't concerned about their own safety. They weren't concerned about their own popularity. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were courageous. They spoke with boldness. They spoke with the fire of God because the Spirit of God was within them. And guess what, Christian? The Spirit of God is within you, waiting for the opportunity for you to speak up, to stand up and to speak out with humble courage, with humble courage to the issues of the day. We've all had some Kool-Aid. It's time to vomit it up. God has not called us to be popular. He's called us to be courageous and to speak and to be testifiers to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to do. If you want to be popular... Go embrace some other God. Go embrace some other deity. Make your life about me, myself, and I. But if you want to have an eternally significant legacy, you make it your ambition to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you'll say what you need to say at the right time. You'll be the witness that you need to be at the right opportunity. And you will point people to Jesus regardless of what it means for you personally. When are we going to get around to bringing the Bible, to bringing Jesus to bear on the issues of the day? See, the reason that we don't do it is because we're more concerned with the opinions of people than we are with the opinion of God. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be filled with courage, boldness. You will speak up, you will stand up, and you will make the reputation of Jesus and what God has to say about the matter known, even if it means putting yourself in harm's way. One of the characteristics of being filled with the Holy Spirit is persecution. How do you know whether or not you are a person who is characterized by the filling with the Holy Spirit? You look no further than your persecution. You know, when you're driving in your car or your truck down the road, sometimes you'll see this thing. It's usually white and it has big black rectangles and inside those rectangles are numbers and it tells you how fast you're going. It's usually in an attempt to get you to slow down. I don't know why they put those on the road because I've got one on my dashboard. I've got one in my dashboard, the speedometer. Tells me exactly how fast I'm going. And somewhere in there in the dashboard next to the speedometer is the odometer and then the, the gas gauge. That tells me how much gas I have in my car and when I need to pull over at a gas station and get my tank refilled. How do you know whether or not you're filled with the Holy Spirit in a similar way? All you need to do is look no further than the fear issue. The fear pressure. I have found in my life, you've probably found it in yours if you haven't yet. Here's the way it works. When I am more concerned about the opinions of people than the opinion of God, I am no longer filled with the Holy Spirit. At that moment, at that instance, I need to pull the car over 
symbolically speaking, and I need to deal with the fear pressure. And I need to rediscover the importance of doing what is right in the eyes of Almighty God. That's what makes you a witness at work. That's what makes you a witness in your family. That's what makes you a witness in the neighborhood. That's what does it. It's not rocket science. You don't have to wonder, am I or am I not filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, are you more concerned about yourself and what people think about you? Or are you concerned and consumed with the opinion of Jesus through what you might say and how you might live? One of the characteristics of whether or not you are filled with the Holy Spirit is persecution in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that every single day of your life you have to experience persecution. It doesn't mean that. But I think it's safe to say if we were to look at the the past year of our lives, look at the past year of your life. If there is not persecution in your life as a direct result of you bearing witness to Jesus, then either you have a unique job where all you do all day long is sit in front of a computer and do things that no other human being will ever see. I don't know that there's such a job that exists. Or you have a problem with fear pressure. You are more concerned with the opinions of people than the opinion of God. If you want to find out whether or not you are filled with the Holy Spirit, whether or not you're concerned about the opinions of people. Now look with me at Luke chapter 12. Jesus says this, Luke chapter 12, verses four and five. I tell you, my friends, Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Fear of God, respect for God, a desire to honor God will overwhelm and dominate and put into place. It is the antidote for fear pressure toward another human being. You've got to make up your mind once and for all and then every day throughout every day whether you're going to serve God or whether you're going to serve people, whether you're going to be concerned about the opinions of people whose opinions, eternally speaking, really don't matter, you're not going to appear before the judgment seat of your spouse, your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your boss, you're going to appear before the throne of Jesus Christ, either at the white throne judgment spoken of in the book of Revelation or the judgment seat of Christ spoken of in the New Testament. The filling with the Holy Spirit is the antidote for fear pressure. Now, notice what happens here in Acts chapter 4. Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. He stands up and he puts the pedal to the metal. He helps them understand that there is no other name through which people can be saved, no other name by which people can be saved except through the name of Jesus. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, we're not done with the filling with the Holy Spirit. Not only does the filling with the Holy Spirit result in you being a person of great courage where you would otherwise cower, The filling with the Holy Spirit also enables you to do that with tremendous tact and diplomacy. Tact and diplomacy are actually signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You notice that Peter and John, they're not being criticized for how they give testimony for Jesus. They're being criticized and they're being opposed because they're giving testimony for Jesus. When you're at the workplace, when you're in the family, when you're in the neighborhood, let people criticize you because you're being faithful to Jesus, not because of your quirky personality, not because of how you are presenting Jesus. Look at how he begins here in verse eight. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders. You know, it's a good thing when you go to court, if you ever have to go to court and you appear before the judge, it's a very good thing. It's a very wise thing to say, yes, your honor. 
Thank you, Your Honor, for this opportunity to appear before you. And Peter is doing exactly that kind of thing, giving honor where honor is due. He starts off by saying, rulers, leaders of the people, elders of the people. He doesn't say, your leadership is illegitimate. I'm not bowing down to you. Well, they're not bowing down to them, but they are giving credit where credit is due because these are the authorities that God has put into place. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be diplomatic. You will be tactful. Let people oppose you for the testimony of Jesus, not because of your quirkiness, not because of the way you are presenting the gospel. Let them have an issue with Jesus the way they had an issue with Jesus in Peter's words. Don't give them an opportunity to have an issue with your behavior. And many times in the body of Christ, what needs to happen is that we need to rediscover and to regain, in some instances, discover for the very first time the ability to be tactful, the ability to be respectful, because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be respectful, you will be tactful. And it is that respect in the face of the furnace, when the heat is being turned up, it is that respect that causes people to stand up and take notice. You become more credible because you're not losing your cool, When you're on the side of truth, you don't have anything to worry about. If God could transform Peter and John and cause them to end up being this courageous and diplomatic and tactful, he can certainly do that for you in your family situation. He can certainly do that for you at the workplace, in your neighborhood. There is no excuse for being tactless and undiplomatic in your witness for Jesus. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God will take care of it all. He'll give you courage to speak up. He'll give you courage to do the right thing. And he'll help you to do it with tact and diplomacy because it's not you saying it, it is God saying it. And God does not need to resort to underhanded tactics to make his point. He made his point through the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, And now, through a miraculous sign and wonder, through a man who was otherwise a coward apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. You're a coward without the work of the Holy Spirit. Just get over it. You are. I am too. We all are. Nobody gives testimony to Jesus the way Peter and John give testimony to Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. That's who enabled Peter and John to give this kind of a testimony. And what are they doing? Oh, it's a great lesson for us today in this world where intolerance has become the new tolerance. Everyone wants you to be tolerant toward everybody else. We just need to get along together. Don't talk about this exclusivity about Jesus. Then all of a sudden, tolerance is no longer tolerance, is it? Because everybody wants you and me, everybody to get along The only way to do that is if you just stop talking about this Jesus. Everybody wants to preach tolerance today, except if you believe in the Bible as God's authoritative word, and you believe what Peter and John believe. We live 2,000 years after the fact. I think it's wise to come down on the side of these eyewitnesses of Jesus, who in the face of real persecution, which we haven't even seen in this nation yet, 
have the audacity to say this in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. Doesn't stop there. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter and John had every opportunity in the flesh to back off. They don't back off. Pedal to the metal. Listen, we want to make sure that you understand exactly if I'm going to be persecuted, if I'm going to be in this semi-circle setting, which is what it would have been with the leaders there and the Sanhedrin kind of a setup, they would have been in a semi-circle with Peter and John right there in the epicenter. Listen, don't waste your life. When God gives you an opportunity to bear witness for Jesus, let the Spirit of God well up in you and let God give testimony to Jesus. The people in your family need to hear it. They need to see it. The people at the workplace need to see it. People in the government need to see it. There is exclusivity found in the name and the work of Jesus. Peter and John didn't back away from it. Neither should you, neither should I. The world wants to press us into its mold, cause us to think that, well, if you say that, it's going to upset the apple cart. Listen, don't call what God has made beautiful the life of his precious son as something less than beautiful. You have the words of eternal life as Peter and John did. Don't apologize for them. Let God fill you up with his Holy Spirit. You'll speak with diplomacy. You'll speak with tact. You'll speak with great effect to the point where it becomes irrefutable because God is in the business of being irrefutable. In fact, Jesus told the disciples, um, I wonder if these words of Jesus spoken in Luke chapter 21 were reverberating in Peter and John's minds, maybe that evening before they were getting ready to stand before these leaders of the nation of Israel. In Luke 21, beginning in verse 10, then he, Jesus, said to them, nation will rise against nation. Another translation could be ethnic group, how that applies to what's happening in the world today. Ethnic group will rise against ethnic group, nation against nation. Jesus is speaking about what the world situation will be like before his return. Kingdom against kingdom, there will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and the prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. This is not about you. It's about me. It's about having an opportunity to bear witness for Jesus. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Be careful that you don't confuse this life with the life that really matters. Your life in Christ is what really matters. Today is the day to remember eternity. It is where you will spend most of your time. And how much of our time we spend worrying about, biting our nails over what we might have to endure, what might be coming on the horizon, whatever manifestation it might be. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, emptied of yourself and filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll say the right thing at the right time in the right way, and it will cause people to look at Jesus. It will be 
your opportunity. Never forget. Listen, you could forget everything else I've said in this message, but never forget your life here on this earth exists for one purpose, to bear testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why you are here. And we need to rediscover that in the body of Christ, in the church. It's not about your own popularity. It is not about the popularity of your church. It is about the popularity of Jesus Christ. And God has given you, he's given me. The greatest resource that the world has ever known. In fact, the world does not know it. The world cannot know it. He is the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will do what Peter did. You will do what John did. You will not care about your own life and your own reputation, your own livelihood. You will only care about the reputation of Jesus. And you will, no matter what your circumstance is, at the workplace, in your family, in the neighborhood, you will lovingly, lovingly, don't forget, lovingly, you will speak Words given to you by Almighty God, enabling you to be somebody. People will look at and say, listen, I know the unschooled, ordinary, you're nothing worth looking at twice until the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. He's the game changer. And let's understand with absolute clarity, let's understand this is no game that God has called us to play. This is the only life you're going to get to live this side of Eden. They're filled with the Holy Spirit characterized by tremendous courage in the face of adversity, characterized by a boldness, characterized by not being concerned about the opinions of people because they're consumed with their God and Savior. They're not afraid to preach the exclusivity of Jesus. In this world, this day and age in which we live where everybody can do whatever they want to do and let's all just get along together. It really doesn't matter. It's your opinion of Jesus, my opinion of Jesus. No, it's God's opinion of Jesus. And when we compromise on speaking the truth in love, whatever the hot button issue of the day might be, we're compromising on bringing to people the real identity of the biblical Jesus. Remember that the next time you're concerned about the opinions of people and your own comfort and convenience in contrast and comparison to the identity and reputation of Jesus. Not only are they preaching the exclusivity of Jesus, but look, here's the golden opportunity that they have. Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you cannot help but speak about what Jesus has done in your life. He's forgiven you all of your sins. Forgive anybody all their sins. All they need to do is humble themselves and accept the gift, the greatest gift God's ever given. What are Peter and John actually doing here? What are they doing? They are demonstrating what love for God looks like. What does it look like to love God in 21st century life. It looks like this. Very easy to go to a church service and sing songs of worship and confuse today. We're so confused about love. So confused about love. We think love is an emotion. 
Because I feel this way, I must love my spouse or my children or my parents or God because I feel this way. Listen, emotions are a good thing when they're led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not down on emotions, but what I want to help us understand is that if all you have toward God is an emotional feeling that is not manifest in obedience, you don't know what love is. It's good to be emotional about Jesus Christ. It's good to have emotions when it comes to worshiping God and serving him and walking with him, but you cannot let your emotions be the train. Your emotions are the caboose. Faith is the engine that leads your life and drives your life and pulls the rest of your life in order. Faith, we walk by faith, not by sight. You've got to be very careful that you don't do what many of us are tempted to do. We are doing things today because they feel good for us, whether or not they fall into alignment with what honors God. What did Jesus say? John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. This is not just a reference to the Ten Commandments. All of the teachings of Jesus. The Great Commission going to all the world. Baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded. Not cherry picking which ones you want to teach and which ones you don't want to teach. What does Jesus say here in John chapter 14, verse 23? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. There is a promise given by Jesus of the experience of the love of God, the ability to enjoy experientially the love of God. It is a byproduct of a life of obedience. Sometimes, you know, if you find yourself out of touch with God at an emotional level all the time, all the time, listen, understand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that you're going to have opportunities in your life where you, the emotions just aren't there. I just got done talking about walking by faith and not by sight, not by emotions. But if the characteristic of your life is that all the time there is just no emotion whatsoever in your heart toward God, it could be an indication that you have a problem somewhere in your life with obedience. You might need to take a longer look at John 14, verse 23, where Jesus talks about the byproduct of obedience being an ability to enjoy experientially the love of God. But here I want us to understand, I want us to connect the dots so that what Peter and John did is not in vain for you and for me today. They're demonstrating love for God by being obedient. To listen to God according to what the Bible teaches is to obey God. And listening and obeying and love are so intertwined that they cannot be separated, biblically speaking. This is what it looks like to love God in the 21st century. This is what it looks like to love God in the first century. Nothing has changed. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, 
We say things we would otherwise not say, do things we would otherwise not do, bear witness for Jesus in ways that we would otherwise not bear witness for Jesus. We do it with tremendous courage and we do it with tact and diplomacy. We don't back down from the exclusivity of salvation and forgiveness of sins found in the person and the works of Jesus alone because this is what the world needs to hear. And when we're given the opportunity to back away, we understand what Peter and John understood that we need to understand today. We must obey God and leave the consequences with him. Obey God and leave the consequences to him. This is not the imposition of Christianity onto the culture where they're forcing people to accept Jesus as their savior and God. That's not what this is. We're not talking about legislating Christianity as the law of the land, either there or here. But we are unapologetically, without any concern whatsoever about the harm it may cause me, telling the story about salvation and the forgiveness of sins through the exclusive faith and rescue that is found in Jesus alone. You obey God, we obey God when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we leave the consequences to him. And brother, sister, brothers and sisters, that is what we need today in the church in our families, in the government, throughout this nation. We need men and women who are really filled with the Holy Spirit so that the testimony about Jesus goes forward with the invincibility that it always is accompanied with whenever we're filled with the Holy Spirit. You've been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters Podcast where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. You can also invite Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event. To learn more, visit CourageMatters.com or download the free Courage Matters app. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking.